Welcome to the Sports and Stilettos podcast. Hey everybody, Rachel Hill here for today's podcast episode. We're going to be doing the second part of Jordan Angeli's episode. So I originally wanted this podcast to be around 30 minutes, but every single conversation I've had with each individual has been up to an hour. So I just decided to go with an hour instead of cutting them all up. So I wanted to make sure I included Jordan's second part to her interview. She was great. We talk a lot about advice she has for young women in the industry. So without further ado, here is Jordan Angeli. I did ask some other women questions that they Mm -hmm. would have for you and just for women in broadcasting. So I want to get your answers for these. I had one woman who asked, obviously being yourself is huge nowadays and that's what producers and execs look for. What's the best way to get away from that anchor voice? Yeah, I think that's really interesting because I, it is hard, especially uh, women's voices just tend to be a little bit higher. And so there is a certain thing that you have to work on in order for your cadence and like your, your tone to be pleasing to the ear. Right. And I think, um, so you can work on things, but I, I just, at the end of the day, I want to feel, I feel the best about what I do when I feel the most like myself and working on cadence and working on like the inflection in your voice is all okay. But like at the end of the day, you have to feel like you can do your, like you have to feel most comfortable. So I would say just, um, practicing and, um, even recording yourself and going from one thing to the other and seeing how connected you feel with watching yourself when you try to act a certain way versus like you just being you. So, um, I think there's a, there's a balance, but at the, I think people want to see real people. Right. And that's what we connect most to. So, um, I don't know. It's hard. It's very hard to find that. And I do feel like it's a very challenging industry for women because, um, we, we feel a lot of pressure about appearance and about, um, you know, I think me, I can't speak for men, right. Cause I'm not a man, but I just think we think a little bit more about that than men do. And, um, to feel like you to, so dress like you would dress, uh, do your hair like you would do your hair, like in, in act and present yourself, even with your body, like move your body around and like, see what feels most natural to you and then stand in that position, you know? And uh, I think little things like that can make you feel more like you, even when you're trying to uh, present in front of the camera. Even just like I've noticed putting one foot out when I'm getting ready Mm. to go live, that makes me just like calmer. You know, when I'm standing there and my feet are next to each other and my hands at its like correct position, Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily – like I get more nervous where compared to if I put just put one foot out even a little bit, I just feel more relaxed and I feel more like me. But you mentioned the cadence and the voice. My first year with the WAC, I honestly struggled so hard because I had I was getting feedback from so many people and they were like, your voice mm. is too high. Your voice mm. is too high. And so I would try to drop it, but then you would lose the excitement, which is what yeah. people want to hear, right? You want like when you're talking sports, you're excited, you're happy. And so I was losing that. And so everything just seemed so monotoned. And I had to just eventually realize and be like, if my voice is higher, but I am excited and it gets other people excited, I don't care. And I don't think executives would mind either. Like, I don't think a producer is going to be like, oh, her voice peaked a little bit right here. Like, if I did a good job, you know what I mean? Totally. And and that's the balance, I think, that you 
everybody has to have. And it, it also depends on what, what you're exactly doing. Like news anchors tend to have more of that type of voice. Right. And that is like what they look for. But when you're a broadcaster in a, for working for a specific team, you kind of pull away from that a little bit more. And I think especially in the sport of soccer, it just to me seems like it's a little bit like more loose than the other ones. Like just for example, like I don't wear, I never wear high heels. Like I wear tennis shoes all the time because to me, like that makes me feel like I'm myself, even when I'm all dolled up. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it makes me feel more comfortable as to who I am. And I think that's also like in the soccer world, it feels like it's more natural there. So I I just think you have to like speak to and and dress and uh, present yourself the way that feels most true to you. I agree. And I think like you're not going to wear stilettos on a soccer field. Right. You know, like that's just not normal booty. Sure. I rock yeah. booties all the time because I'm 5'4 and I go up to some athletes and I'm like, oh, you are like right. Five but I'm 5'9 <laughs> and if I wear heels, I'm literally taller than most of the team. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like, but I agree. Like you're not going to wear stilettos. So like, but I'm saying that you, you can if that feels natural to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that does not feel like me. And so in order for me to feel more comfortable in honestly being in front of the camera, sometimes it just feels a little bit uncomfortable. And like I get nervous every time, but it's like a good nervous. But to know that I've done everything to prep myself to feel most like me, that helps calm my nerves as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I, I agree. Like, I will probably always wear some sort of heel just because of how, like, short mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. But that also makes me feel more like me. Exactly. So I completely yeah. agree with you on all of those. Another question we got was, what is the best advice you've ever had? And then what's the worst advice you've ever had? Best advice is to watch my my play like my games back and to listen and to find little things that I am doing and then I also think what what goes hand in hand with that is finding a good mentor who actually critiques you and being okay with that criticism because because at the end of the day I think we're all in this to get better in life really like we want to feel like we're continuing to grow and so finding someone who will give you that criticism and being able to handle it but also being a you know, being able to critique yourself and watching your games back, I think is really helpful. I can't think off of the top of my head what bad advice I've gotten. Um, you know, I think, I think the things that have fueled me are just like, um, I, I think being a professional women's soccer player is still not, um, coveted as like, you know, a lot about the sport unless you're on the national team. And, um, I, I had stints with the national team. I just, I, I didn't ever get to, excuse me, compete with them. And so I think that that has been really hard for me as a a human to be able to accept, like, I know, I know the game. And not only that, like, I can continue to get better at knowing the game, despite what the world thinks. And so just continuing to, not that that's bad advice, but like, I think the thing that fueled me is that is like, I'm just going to make it because I know I'm good at this. You know, like I've never been someone who has looked at the people that don't believe in me and said, like, I'm going to prove you wrong. Like, I've always been the person to try to prove myself right. And like switching that point of view to say, like, I know I can do this, so I'm going to continue to do it. So um, I would say that just has fueled me that um, to continue to get better at what I do and to not let external factors hold me back. 
I love that. I love I'm going to prove myself right and not prove yeah. others wrong. It's more of a positive look on you. I think so, don't you? Oh, I totally. I think it's more of like a you are the one who's making these changes for yourself, not to put it out there for somebody else. Yeah. I just have always felt like, you know, when I don't get when I don't get jobs and when things don't work out cuz that's happened so many times, you know, I I honestly am like I I first thing I tell my like I I get frustrated and I cry a lot and I'm mad about it right but I'm like you are good at this and you feel like you're the you're you feel like you're your best self when you're doing this Jordan so like um continue to to tap into that but also know that like nothing that anybody thinks about me is making me better or worse like it's just me and like if I'm continuing to be better than I was before, that's what allows me to continue to fight for what I think I, I can get or what I want to get and um, not let anything else hold me back. It's so true that not everyone is going to like you and you have to be okay with that, especially when oh, you're putting yourself yeah. in front of a camera. Oh, yeah. Like you just have to become okay with it. And for sure. And you're going to get criticized. Like I hear things a, a lot of the times about, you know, varying from like things about me, me, me being a woman to not knowing I'm talking about to, um, there's, there's always going to be criticism. And I, I think that's what's why it's also important to find a mentor who has your back and, and believes in you because that's the criticism that you want. And no one ever you're never going to please everybody so it's like who cares true do you have to stay off twitter at certain points oh gosh um sometimes yeah <laughs> i think we all do right um i i honestly i think it's sometimes it's good for me to read that that you know to remind me like not everybody likes you jordan <laughs> like don't don't think that everybody likes you i think that's fine because it also makes me realize that like nobody's praise and nobody's critique is is um, worthy of me feeling like like i'm not good at what i do and I, that's what i'm saying i'm just like internally motivated to continue to get better and i try to remember too uh i'm obviously not on the stage that you're at where i'm getting people in my dms or on my uh, timeline constantly but just that there are even if one person says one bad thing about you there's probably a hundred other people that watched that didn't feel a need to say anything or did enjoy what you did and people oh, yeah. are 10 times more harsh than they are nice uh, so I could just kind of try to remind, remind myself of that all the time people want to be heard I think that's you know all of us feel that same way mm -hmm. and Twitter provides them and a platform to be heard and so just just know that like it sometimes that's just it has nothing to do with you and more to do with them so I I that's why I kind of just let it let it um roll off my shoulder or sometimes I have a good laugh at them because I'm like wow you really you really felt strongly about that <laughs> have you gotten any tweets that have been like they're mean but they are funny and you're like oh yeah <laughs> I wish I had them like I should save them when I have them because oh for sure I'm like just the the silliest things too. Like I'm like I can't even I can't even be mad at you because that was so funny like, <laughs> that you would think that. Right. <laughs> I love reading some tweets where I'm like, okay, yes, that was mean, but like it was really funny too. Yeah. Like I gotta laugh at myself sometimes too, so I oh, get props sure. to some people. Obviously, sure. don't go out there and hate tweet people. Like that's rude. <laughs> You're not in their shoes, but like some of them are funny. 
Yeah. I will give people that. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about social media, though, you ran the social media for the women's national mm-hmm. team, which is a dream job for so many people, including myself. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, that has been such a blessing um, that all this whole job with the U.S. Women's National Team and U.S. Soccer came about because of my work with the Rapids and John Hess, who was the in-stadium producer for the Rapids um, at the time, recommended me to U.S. Soccer to say, hey, like, I know you guys are doing hosts and uh, Jordan is our host. Like, she's great. She used to play for the national team. Like, you should you should use her. And it just so happened that the first game for the women in, with this host role was in Colorado. So um, it was kind of like my, you know, I, it's, it was kind of like my, my chance to perform in front of a, a new home crowd. Right. And I loved it. And since then, like they've, they've hired me for every home match for the U S women's national team, which is such an honor. And it, it's so much fun, you know, because I was once one of those girls who go watch the women's national team play. And I had dreams of playing on the national team. And um, I think that, them seeing maybe they don't understand that I was once also a player and now I'm a host but like just inspiring them that like life doesn't end when soccer ends that there's there's more to be done even within your sport that you can adapt and and follow through with so it's been so much fun so they had for a while this fan account that I ran and I got to go to the women's world cup last summer and uh, stay with the team for six weeks. I traveled through France and won the World Cup and I got to run their fan account and it was like a dream job. Oh my gosh. I literally watched soccer and talked to people about soccer uh, in France, like shipping, sipping champagne in champagne country while we were there and um, eating all the cheese in Lyon, like all the fun things that you can imagine that happened there. Like it was just a dream come true. So much fun. You found out, though, about going to the World Cup, like, days before, right? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Well, there, you know, it's been a, a tough couple of years for U.S. soccer and the women's national team with the equal pay, pay lawsuit and um, a lot of things that have gone on. And so they were really unsure if they – they were hopeful to do some – produce some of their own content when they were at the World Cup with uh, some kind of, like, hosted series. So um, they had brought this up about – six months before and it was something that I actually didn't get the job for somebody they they were going to give it to somebody else and I was really really bummed about that and felt like um just disappointed you know which I think we all feel when we don't get a job that we really want and um and that was in January or February and then at the beginning of May all so that whole thing got scrapped because of um that the players didn't want to do some, some of the additional content. So the whole show got scrapped. And so later on in May, they came back to me and they're like, Hey, we, we think that we could use you. They had some people that were transitioning from us soccer to some other jobs on their social team. And so they thought they needed another person to help with social when they were there. And so, um, we didn't really know what the job was going to be. And, but two weeks before they were like, you were going to bring you to France. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I'll go to France. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was really last minute and it all worked out. And um, I think we just had to adapt and figure out what people wanted. And I'll still get people like today when I go to games, they're like, oh my gosh, we loved what you did in France. And um, so it was a really fun experience. 
you told me when we were working the WAC soccer tournament that you got to connect with a lot of their families because you were spending most of their time. You couldn't get a press pass, so you had to sit mm-hmm. with the family. Yeah, so in big events like that, you you have to qualify or basically register to be to get a press pass months in advance. And since we just decided I was going a couple weeks before, like, um, yeah, they were like scrambling to find a lot of things for me, a flight, uh, hotels, this and that. Uh, but the ticket was just in the friends and family section. So I would do all my work outside the stadium and running around the various cities in France the, the day of the game to produce like fun Instagram stories and fun Instagram posts and Snapchat stuff for U.S. soccer. And then I would go into the game and I would be sitting next to Lindsey Horan's family and behind Sam U.S.'s family and uh, right across from Zach Ertz, Julie Ertz's husband and you know, all these things where it was just really cool because a lot of those women too, you know, I, I played with Kelly O'Hare, I played with Tobin Heath and, uh, Lindsay Horan is a good friend of mine. And so to get to experience those things next to their family members and to see their reactions, which I got to capture some of the reactions of the parents and the family when their, their daughters scored big goals in the world cup, it was just like, it felt like I was serving a purpose that I didn't know was going to be such a, have such a big impact on the players, but the players were like, man, I've never seen my parents celebrate my goals before, let alone a goal that, um, you know, got us into the World Cup final or um, my first ever World Cup goal. So that was really, really special. How was the flight back to the United States with the team? <laughs> it was a rough one for me. Um, it was incredible, right? We chartered a, a plane back. So um I have never been on a plane like this where you have like a first class seat and you're just like lying down. Um, but we, they threw one heck of an after party and I participated in drinking the champagne that they were drinking. I was going to so. say, how do you throw <laughs> a party on a plane? Oh yeah. Well, the girls, the the team was all in the front and I was with a staff in, in the back of the plane. And so they were, the they were like continuing to celebrate, but also sleep. And like, they were doing their own thing. I didn't really interact with them on the plane, but um, they threw, after the World Cup final, they, U.S. soccer threw a celebration party for them, for their friends and family. And um, yeah, that, that took a toll on me. I was, I was very thankful we chartered a plane home because I was um, needing of in very much need of that rest. Yeah, we'll just say. <laughs> I want to talk to you a little bit with the word that the U.S. Women's National Team should not get paid as much because they have less skill than the men. I just want to hear your thoughts on it, being a former player, and just kind of the craziness that is that statement. Yeah, I think um, you know that's that statement to me doesn't show really what like um what these athletes are and i think at the end of the day that's what they are they're athletes and um you can't compare a basketball player to a football player and um, they're just two different types of athletes and so i think that it's a really hard one for me to swallow and uh, you know, luckily for me, I'm not in the midst of that and I don't have to make those final decisions, but it's hard knowing that that was once me and that's, um, you know, maybe somebody's, not a whole organization or, uh, you know, everybody's opinion in the organization, what their their thoughts are. But it's hard when you hear that, that people still maybe think like that. And um, 
would would even say that to win a lawsuit. I think that was just difficult. So I'm just thankful that I'm not a part of it and I don't have to be a part of it, you know, yeah. but support, support my, my friends and, um, you know, all the female athletes out there because man, it is, it is a grind. It is so hard because a lot of us do not get paid anything. And, you know, we do it because not only do we love to play the game, but uh, we want people to have the opportunity when, you know, maybe our children have the opportunity when they're older to actually feel like they're a professional athlete and um, feel like they have all uh, the same things thought about them as male athletes do as well. True. And Jordan, you do know you are paving the pathway as well, being the first full-time female TV analyst for Columbus Crew. How special is that statement for you? It's really cool and um, very special. I think I am lucky that they gave me the opportunity. You know, I feel really thankful that they gave me the opportunity and they believed in me to to be able to be that person for them. Um, but I, I always look at like, as the person who looks like they're paving the way, like there's always people that came before them that you can look at and there's going to be people, people that come after them. And, you know, I look at other women there, uh, Kendra DeSanobin, who's in uh, Minnesota. She got that same job a couple years ago with Minnesota. So that's like, I've always looked at her and thought like, I can do that too. So she's been an amazing role model. Um, other women who've called men's games, uh, not only in MLS, but uh, internationally, Ali Wagner calling the Men's World Cup a huge thing to look at and be like, okay, um, you know, this is a possibility. And so I'm just thankful, too, for people that came before me. And, like, even though I'm Columbus's first, like, I know that, like, having more firsts is only going to make this better, right? Like, more women in the game, more women in all sports, um, just with a different point of view. And a, it's just nice. So yeah, I feel very, very honored. I want to do one last subject before we head out. But okay. we had talked about freelancing. So you had freelanced with the WAC, obviously, that's how the two of us met. What would you say are some pros and cons to freelancing? I feel like there's a lot of misconception about it nowadays. So what would you say are pros and cons? Yeah, so all actually all the work I do is freelance work. Even my new my new job, I'm still a contract worker. So uh, when you're a contract worker, some of the benefits are is you can get a lot of contracts, right? And you can go hustle and you can call as many people as you want and try to uh, negotiate more jobs. And I think that's a real plus, right? Because especially for me being in soccer, there are different there are different leagues in soccer. Like I can call NWSL games. I can call major league soccer games. I can call national team games. So even with that, there's so much variety. Um, so to be able to kind of dip into all of those things, I think is nice as a contract worker, which you wouldn't have if, if you're a full-time employee somewhere maybe. Um, but there also is difficulties, right? Um, you know, right now it's difficult. There's no games. And um, so I'm not getting paid a salary when there's no games that are being had. Um, I, I don't get benefits. Like I have to pay for my own insurance. I don't have, you know, a 401k that I can put into with a company that, um, or some kind of benefit package that they allow me to invest in. So, uh, that's difficult, but for me, it, um, you know, I think you have to weigh the positives and the negatives. And there's going to, you know, maybe be a time where that's not the case for me. But for the last few years, like, 
it's a grind. And I think that if you get into sports, you have to understand that it is a grind. Like you don't have your weekends. Your schedule is a lot different than everybody else's. Um, Which does have like, some perks. King Supers is not as busy on like a Wednesday yeah. compared to there a Saturday, I will just say. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there's absolutely some benefits. But um, yeah, your, your schedule is going to be different. You're going to lose a lot of your weekends um, or at least a day on your weekends to games. But um I think it's been, it, it really taught me a lot about myself and I think it'll continue to teach me a lot about myself is just um, being able to advocate for yourself and have hard conversations, not only about like uh, why you should get a job, but why you didn't get a job and what you can work on. And um, because it happens a lot more often than if you're just um, working for a company, right? You, you're constantly trying to get new jobs and um, that works sometimes and it sometimes doesn't. So um and there's times where you don't make a lot of money. Like, uh, I love calling NWSL games. It's one of my favorite things to do because I played in that league and um, I, want it, I want it to be successful. And I think uh, quality broadcast is one of the big things that allows a league to be successful because not everybody can get to a game and watch, right? So they want to hear from the best of the best when they're, when they're listening or former players when they're listening. And so, um, but that's really challenging. I, my second year, my first year, excuse me, working for NWSL as a broadcaster, they, they broadcast most of their games out of a big studio in Florida and, um, they only pay for you calling the game. So I would have to pay for my flight. I would have to pay for my lodging and my food, and I would only get paid $300 a game. And to get down, to Fort Lauderdale from Denver is um, usually was around I'm like yeah usually just to pay for my flight was around four hundred to five hundred dollars and so I as um, someone who knew that this was something I wanted to do I said okay Jordan you're going to use this year as your graduate school and you're going to call as many games as you can because at this time I was still working for the Rapids as well. So I would be down every weekend that I, we didn't have a home game. I would be down in Florida. So I was going down a couple times a month. And I spent, I probably spent $2,000, $3,000 to call soccer games. I spent my own money. And um, I knew that it was going to be really challenging in the moment when I saw all the money going out. But I had a feeling that it was going to pay off in the long run. So um yeah, I, I mean, that's hard. That's hard trying to make it work when you really want to be a part of a broadcast. But, um, you know, at a certain point, that that's financially really difficult to continue to pay to call games. So, um, yeah, there's just cha there's challenges, but there's going to be challenges with anything. And I think it's just how you find a way to find the best out of any situation and use it to get to where you believe that you, sh you want to be going. Have there been any jobs where you were like, I just don't think this is a right fit or that you had turned down? I'm trying to think. Um, not really. I've been, I think I've been pretty lucky that a lot of the jobs that I've um, tried to get, I've either gotten or I've been told no, you know, so the decision wasn't really on me. Um, yeah, I think all in all, this this decision with the crew was the hardest just because when you – I have been with the Rapids for a long time, and um, I love them. Like, I love the people there. I love every person I worked with, and there's so many people there that believed in me, and um, unfortunately, it just wouldn't work out where I could be on TV, and after four years of, of you know, having that desire of being on TV and, and voicing that um, – 
it's hard leaving that situation because of the relationships, but knowing to go to Columbus was the best decision for me as a broadcaster. And, um, so that was, that was really super challenging, but I'm, I am thrilled and I love the people that I work with now and I'm just really getting to know a lot of them, but, um, it'll be a fun, it a, f- a fun experience, a new experience for me, but sometimes you have to make hard decisions. And you're getting out of your comfort zone too, which I feel mm-hmm. like is so beneficial because it's really easy to get comfortable with a company uh, and then to continue to grow. Sometimes you have to put yourself in a new place. And I think that this job is doing that for you the way you made it sound like you literally know nobody out there except for your coworkers and you're having to learn new teams and like learn the history of Columbus. So I feel like it's it's a good thing for you, I hope. Yeah, I think so too, Rachel, for sure. Uh, uh, last one I have for you is, when you are freelancing, how do you determine your value? We all do want to get paid and obviously you're living off of freelancing. So how do you determine your value? So we won't even talk about Columbus. Let's just say like with mm-hmm. the whack, it's a one week thing. How do you kind of determine your value of what you should get paid? I think um, at first, you know, with the whack, I, I'm lucky to work with you guys for, gosh, I can't even remember how many years I've been doing it. I think that's what this, what, that was my seventh year. Oh, wow. Or sixth year. Whenever soccer – didn't men's soccer come back to the WAC? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it has been six yeah. years. It's been – yeah, maybe it was six years. So um, I think with that, it, I was – when I first started, I really relied on um, the people that I was working for to give me a rate, right? And that's okay, like for them to give you a rate initially. And then I think as you gain experience or even when you're getting that first rate, like find a network of people that you trust and know like, okay, hey, like how much do you think I should be getting paid or how much do you get paid? Like I ask people that all the time as, um, and, and I'm more than happy to answer that for anybody, you know, and I, I don't find it too revealing to, to let people know how much I get paid because at the end of the day, I want people to feel like they're being valued by what they pay, but um, also like your pay and not you specifically, but um, someone's pay in their first year is going to differ than someone's pay in their eighth year. But just to, to bounce ideas off of people, I, I don't, I don't see a problem with that. And I'm happy to help um, anybody who asks me that uh, in regards to hosting events or, um, you know, doing any kind of broadcast work. I, I'm always open to talk about that. Did you ever feel uncomfortable having to ask for more oh, money? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always feel uncomfortable about lending money. It makes people feel uncomfortable, right? Um, but I, I'm, I'm the type of person, Rachel, and I say this all the time, and I just said it to my roommate yesterday. It's like I am always a person who regrets inaction more than action. So if I don't ask, I would regret that more than if I did ask. And so I remind myself that a lot, especially in having tough conversations is like, sometimes I just have to say the thing that I would rather act on something than to be passive and not act because that just doesn't, that doesn't make me feel like I'm at least trying my best. So that's kind of the way that I work about it. But yeah, of course, I always feel uncomfortable with money. (laughs) That's very true. That's like a good way to look at it, though. It kind of reminds me when I was 
like a teenager and I was like I'd rather have to like apologize than ask for her permission exactly (laughs) but you know Jordan I can't thank you enough honestly you gave so many great pieces of advice and I feel like you just have such a grasp on everything that you're doing and you do it with so much passion and it is so much fun to watch you and I'm so lucky that I was able to meet you through the whack and everything and it has just been such an honor watching you continue to grow as well so thank you so much for coming on and being the first guest oh Rachel thank you so much and it's Uh, been just a delight to get to know you but also to see you pursue what you want right and go after it so um, yeah happy to help you happy to help anybody and I think the same thing is like even because I've been doing it for for a little while longer it doesn't mean I always have the answers right sometimes I might need to go to somebody else or to go to you to ask questions so I think just creating this network is really important important because I think at the end of the day, we're all women. We're all people who are striving to be our best and, and want that connection with other people who are doing what we're doing. So I love it. For anybody else who is wanting to reach out to you is Twitter, Instagram. What's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. Twitter, Instagram is great. I'm at Jordangeli on both. Um, it's my last name and my first name squished together. It, they they end in an AN and start in an AN. And I'm like, that's two characters more <laughs> that I could be using when Twitter came out. Um, and one of my college, one of the guys on the college soccer team, when I was there, he was like, you play like a Brazilian, like Jordangeli. And so <laughs> it kind of just stuck with me. And now that's my, my Twitter and Instagram handle. So yeah, reach out. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. I will definitely leave it in the description box of this podcast. But Jordan, again, thank you so much. I have appreciated the last hour we spent together. Yeah, it's been fun, Rachel. Um, enjoy your rest of your quarantine day. What do you, what do you have for supper? Um, I have Box no idea. macaroni and cheese? Yeah, the, um, that's what we <laughs> ate for lunch. So I have no idea what okay, it's going to be for dinner. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> it has been the struggle. I, uh-huh. Figuring out what to eat, I have no idea. I know. I, I and know. I don't want to order my... out because, like, I'm not really sure what's happening in the world either. But, like, I feel yeah. like that. I feel you. And my wine o'clock is changing every day. <laughs> my sleep schedule is so thrown off. I used to go to bed at 10, you know, wake up at 7.45 for work, the whole thing. I am going to bed at like 1 a.m., sleeping until 9, and it's just, it's going to be Start a routine. That'll back. help you. That'll help you. True. True, true. Awesome, Jordan. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. I hope everybody enjoyed both parts to Jordan's interview. She's a great guest as always. I'm always happy to sit down and talk with her. But next week on the podcast, we are going to have a very special guest from the NFL Network. Be on the lookout for that. Stay safe, everyone.